Welcome to the Equest podcast. This is a special edition. Conversations with and for the Irish authorized funds industry with your host, Daniel Lawler. This episode specifically is inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon, a virtual conference taking place week commencing the 2nd of November 2020 and for the funds industry. CP86, the final chapter, transforming challenge into best practice. RSVP over at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Equest podcast. My name is Danny Lawler, and I'm your host for the podcast. This episode is part of a special series of Equest podcasts that we're launching in conjunction with Funds Ireland Minicon, which takes place in the first week of November. Funds Ireland Minicon is a virtual conference that is free to attend. And it's all about CP86 fund management companies and what lies ahead. So if you're interested in attending, just check out fundsirelandminicon.com. You're able to register there and attend first week in November. Now, my guest for this podcast is Shane Coveney, who is a partner in the funds department in Dylan Eustace. The topic of conversation for the podcast is the organizational effectiveness role, and in particular, a blog that I've just written about whether it's time to think about ditching the OE role. Spoiler alert, I think it probably is. Shane is a bit more of a fan. So sit back, relax, enjoy, log on to fundsirelandminicon.com and register while you're sitting and enjoying this podcast. So on with the show. Of uh, Well, either Leeds United podcast, and they have absolutely exploded since they've been promoted back to the Premier League. And then also, uh, the Desert Island Discs, the BBC series, which obviously has, was on for years and years and years. Uh, I'm eating them up at the moment. Love them. Can't believe how good the podcasts are for, well, obviously, the Desert Island radio show. Any, any yeah. non-technical ones you listen to, Shane? No, a lot of the ones that I listen to are, are more industry-related. Um, so uh, a lot of the ones from Bloomberg in relation to ETFs. Uh, so a bit nerdy, I guess, uh, just more educational. Oh my God, that is nerdy. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, so for this podcast, let me just explain how it's going to work. Uh, I've done, a, pod, I've done a, a blog on the organization effectiveness role, talking about whether I think it's time that we actually move on and, and ditch the OE role and do something a little bit different. So I think what I'll do, Shane, is I'm going to explain a little bit about what, I've, what my views were in that blog, then throw it over to you to tell me I'm completely wrong, kick me out the door. We'll all call it a constructive challenge which is the buzzword now, of course, in the industry that the regulator loves. Uh, and uh, you get to, to set me right. Oh, well, well, we'll see how this one goes, Danny. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you were part of the formulation of the, of the role itself uh, when it came out, so I'm sure you've got greater knowledge than a lot of people in the, in the wider industry. Well, that's right. Back in, back in my time as a, a financial uh, regulator, it was uh, one of the projects that I worked on. But let's start with the OE role. So the theme of this podcast, it's in conjunction with the Minicon, which is being run first week in uh, November, all to do with CP86 and fund management companies, free to attend. Check out Minicon, irishfundsminicon.com, where uh, you can register. Listeners, why don't you do that while you're listening along to the podcast? So as I said, I've done a blog on the organizational effectiveness role, and the theme was whether it's time to ditch the OE role. And so just to explain my thinking around that and, and my conclusions. The OE role was introduced as part of CP86. 
was a new rule. There's only four rules in CP86. Uh, and one of those was a rule that every fund management company, including self-managed companies, had to have somebody who was independent, who would be an independent director or chairperson who was responsible for overseeing the effectiveness of the fund management company. And that included understanding the amount of resourcing in the firm and offering an opinion and, I guess, guiding and advising and cajoling more resources if that was something that was necessary for the firm. Now, there are other things that are required to do, like see the effectiveness of the oversight, monitor that, and monitor the effectiveness of how well decision take, decisions taken by the board are implemented. But, but certainly one of the important things was how it approached resourcing and, and an obligation on the, the OE role to keep that under review. Fairly shortly after CP86 was concluded, you had the ESMA Brexit opinions. And one of the key features in the ESMA Brexit opinion on asset management was an expectation that fund management companies would have resourcing of at least three full-time equivalents. And pretty much since then, so you're talking about kind of uh, mid-2017 and certainly into 2018, as new mancos have gone through authorization processes, they've really seen the regulator draw that as the line in the sand, three FTEs. And for the most part, they're going to have somewhere from there upwards, possibly a little bit less depending on nature, scale, and complexity, but three FTEs upwards. And so from the organization effectiveness role perspective, what the regulator has flagged is, well, if we expect newer mancos to be around the three FTEs plus, then legacy mancos and SMICs, those authorized before the Brexit opinion and a little bit uh, into the past, you know, should be at that level, should be cognizant that that is where the line in the sand is. And if the OE role should be able to explain why they have less if they choose to have less. So that was kind of putting the emphasis of the OE role to push, cajole, nudge firms into going down the route of more resourcing. So then when it comes to should we ditch the OE role, my thinking on it is we haven't really seen those legacy mancos and SMICs grab the bull by the horns, grasp the nettle, and actually go and increase the resourcing. Somehow, but for the most part, they are awaiting, I think, a more specific direction from the central bank to do it. So unless they are pushed, it's me, unless they're forced, unless there's a rule or direction there to do it, um, they're going to be reluctant to move. And it's understandable because it's a big expense. It is a big upheaval to change structure and either take on staff or uh, set up a manco or, or, or move to a third party. So you can understand why organizations would be reluctant to do it without a specific rule, giving them no option otherwise. Uh, but that being the case, I think, I'm going to let you in here, Shane, you can tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, I think if the purpose of the OE role was to be the leader in the organization that would drive through and highlight the need for more resources and drive through that agenda, particularly for the legacy mancos and SMICs, I don't think we've seen enough of that happen to say, that the OE role in that respect has been a success. Uh, so what do you think on that front, Shane? Uh, you know, have the, has the OE role been a success when you think about it being uh, in terms of driving mancos and SMICs to having more resources? I think it's been a, a limited success. I think if you, if you think about it, the OE role was meant to be a director, an independent director on the board, chairperson if possible, but certainly an independent uh, INED. And that person was to be a change leader, to bring proposals, uh, to improve the effectiveness of the board and to drive change, as you say. Um, when it comes to resourcing, there are different ways of, of resourcing. There's the 
individuals that you employ within the mine code to get your three FTEs. But a lot of legacy mancos would have used the delegated model where they would have brought in DPs from other service providers and sought to, uh, I suppose, try and outsource the day-to-day the -day management of that. Um, that is something that has changed uh, over the last 18 months and certainly uh, is a growing th trend to move towards a more fulsome uh, Manco within within the industry, certainly after the Brexit opinion and the, the very recent ESMA letter in relation to the AIFMT uh, review, which is being undertaken by the European Commission. But I think certainly there have been aspects where it has been successful. We have seen a number of additional roles being carved out and more people being put to use in relation to designated person roles. Uh, the central bank certainly has been pushing more time commitments towards that. So it certainly has had some change, but whether it's been the full change that the role in the central bank would have expected it to take uh, in the early days is, is probably out there as a, as a question to still be answered. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think that there are parts to, there are elements that have worked. We, we chat about that in more detail in a second. But I guess specifically in terms of it succeeding in, in nudging Mancos and Smicks into more resourcing, uh, I, I don't think so. And I, but I think, as you said there, Shane, if you look at Mancos authorised in the last 18 months, I think it's fair to say you're seeing quite a lot of resources in it, certainly much more than you would have seen three, four, five years ago. Um, Definitely, without question. Certainly, you know, we've it's, seen, it's the norm now, isn't it? Yeah, we've seen we've seen a lot of mancos in, in the very recent past with more than three FTEs that have been requested. Um, the central bank tend to take into account the uh, proposed AUM that will be under management. So there's there there are various different contributing factors that need to come in, but you definitely would see three FTEs being the bare minimum, which would be expected of a new management company. I suppose yeah. legacy mancos uh, will need to to look at that as their structure and, and move forward. Uh, the yeah. central bank's review of of what we call CP eighty six or the fund management company guidance certainly is likely to put a uh, heavier weight on having more people within the organization. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we have seen in the last two years, Mancos have no choice if they want to get authorized, but to go down the route of uh, full-time staff. I haven't seen a lot of evidence in amongst the legacy cohort of them doing the same, of them actually going down the route of, of putting in that kind of level of resourcing. It has happened where either there, there are older Mancos that are more what we call normal operating mancos and, and they're in the business so it's not such an issue for them you see it often if the firm has an ask of the regulator so you have a change of dp for example that the, the regulator will then start to ask around time commitments but outside of that i in my experience anyway, i haven't seen a mass movement of the, the legacy mancos to a resourcing level that you would see amongst the newer mancos is that your experience as well shane I think that's a fair comment. I think that would be a general observation that we would see in the market. What we're seeing now is a lot of self-managed investment companies or SMICs that would have been there and would have had the requirement to have an OE director moving and considering the management company role. Uh, so they're, they're starting to be movement, whether the movement should have taken place four years ago 
uh, in early 2017, late December 2016, when this came out, I suppose is, is open to question. But certainly we are starting to see movement, but up until now it's been slow. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think uh, looking at it from a regulator perspective, you would prefer for the market to move itself to a certain position or to change its own behavior. So you'd prefer if you could nudge the organizations to do something differently rather than immediately running through to rulemaking because rulemaking is more of an impact on the market. It's kind of hard to gauge where to write, where to set the level, how to set the level and, and whether it, if it's, if it was two, should it have been three, should it be one? So it is kind of hard to do it in a rulemaking way and it would be better to nudge behaviors, which I think the OE was, the OE approach was hoped that it would do that. But I think having seen that it hasn't really happened and it's, as I said, it's understandable because of the upheaval involved for legacy mancos and snicks in moving the resource model. Uh, it does look like it's only going to be done with the direction from the central bank. And I think we're getting to the point where that will issue. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the outcome of the dear CEO letter uh, on the CBD6 thematic review that the regulator will drop uh, very shortly, we think. Yeah, I think certainly we're expecting the dear CEO letter to come out in the next four to six weeks. Uh, there's probably been a slight delay over the pandemic that we've been experiencing in, in the first half of this year. But I do expect there to be slightly more focus on that. If you look at the uh, speeches and the presentations that have come out from the central bank in the last 18 months, they've certainly been pushing that message out. Uh, so I, I do think it will certainly be something that will, will come to the fore in this review. Yeah, absolutely. And so assuming that's the case, I'm, I'm looking again then at the OE role and the theme for the blog and for the podcast, should we ditch the OE role? Well, if we think, I guess, expectation, I don't know, but hope was that it would do the job of nudging the firms into more resources. It hasn't happened. So if that's the case, should we ditch the OE role? My, my feeling on that is, while there are some good parts to the OE role, it's very similar to the chairperson type, the chairperson role. And my inclination would be to roll the two of them into one, require an independent chairperson. So often they are independent, but it's not required at the moment. So require an independent chairperson, roll in the OE role and the chairperson's role, specifically say in guidance issued by the central bank that part of what the chair will do is this OE type approach. So they will be on the lookout for improvements. They'll be asking, can we do this better? And then driving through those changes. But they'll do it in the context of also being the chairperson um, and then I think when it comes to things like time commitments, uh, there I, I would see a knock-on impact because if you're doing both roles, there are efficiencies there. And whereas today you tend to see OE roles where they've had clearance from the regulator on time commitments, it's usually in the six to 12 days bracket. I could see that it's reasonable that that could be scaled back because whilst you're doing the OE role, you do it in the context of the chairperson's role. So the OE element might be two or three days instead of six days, for example, because, because of the efficiencies. Um, but that would be my suggested approach. Uh, so you keep the good elements of the OE role, but roll it in with the chairperson role. What do you think? I certainly think there will be improvements to the OE role when it came out first and the guidance was issued. It was very much a case of not looking to be very prescriptive and not have a one-size-fits-all for everybody. I think that was one of the key drivers and one of the... I suppose, benefits of, of having it because you have to look at the nature, scale and complexity of the funds that are under management. You have to look at the number of funds. 
you could have one management company where they have one umbrella platform which they manage with four sub funds whereas you could have a second management company with 50 umbrellas or 100 umbrellas uh, with numerous sub funds so there are different complexities so one size fits all model just you know would seem to run counter to what we're looking to achieve here having a an independent chairperson in in situ would seem to run against what happens in a lot of different uh, jurisdictions both in Europe and and throughout the rest of the world so I think prescribing that would go a step ahead of the Irish Funds Corporate Governance Code which is though voluntary uh, code to be adopted is is adopted quite broadly across the the industry so I, I do think there will be updates and there will be enhancements to the OE role but we we can't lose sight of the fact that in the first feedback statement in November 2015 the central bank came out and said that the internal audit role was going to form part of the organizational effectiveness piece as well so you know that has certainly been a a very strong positive from it there's certainly been strong positives in relation to considering conflicts of interest at board level uh, and the effect that it has on the management companies and the funds that they manage Uh, certainly in looking at the organizational structure and looking to add in compliance executives looking to add in uh, data protection consultants looking at various different roles which have come out and you know we can't lose sight that regulatory updates and, and, and improvements and have you know, been quite quite steady in, in coming out over the last two, three years. So the world has moved on quite a lot. Board composition, again, and evaluation of the effectiveness. I think you're seeing more buy-in from directors. You're seeing more directors take an active role in the funds that they would have managed or would have been directors of. And the Mancos are taking more more enhanced roles and effective roles in the management of the funds that they have been appointed to. So there are certainly a lot of benefits, a lot of things that are moving. But if we get too draconian, you could see a backlash uh, from industry. You know, we have the European passport where AFUMS and USITS Mancos can passport into Ireland. Um, there are certain industry participants who are using that model. So you know, the central bank needs to still have a, a concerted effort to make sure that they are able to uh, oversee the management of the funds which are authorised in Ireland. Uh, absolutely. It, it sounds like you're more of a fan of the OE role than I am, but uh, <laughs> we, we can agree to differ on that. No, I, I, I think um, you're right about the high level of the guidance on it. And it's, I don't know, I'm going to call it a quirk or an experience on my part of, of being a regulator, you, you tended, or wouldn't be unusual to receive a message which was from an, an industry, and you can tell me I'm wrong here, but it often would be, we want as much flexibility as possible, but we want you to bless what it is that we're doing and tell us that we're not doing anything wrong. And with the OE guidance, it is very high level, so it does give a lot of scope to individuals and firms as to how they go about carrying out the role, which is both good and bad. You find, and I found working with firms and an OE role, uh, people, directors, that uh, there's a quite a variance in how people go about doing the job. Uh, some get very into the minutiae, some uh, are at the other end of the scale, uh, 
balance is probably somewhere in between. I think the dear CEO letter from the central bank will call out probably what their expectations are more clearly. and will probably set, set the, um, the, the standard a bit more narrower so that uh, it'll be easier, I guess, for people doing the role to, to do it in a way that they're comfortable or within uh, expectations of the regulators. So I think that, yeah. um, I think the OE role does some things okay. Uh, I think it hasn't really made nods to increasing the, the substance in the third party, man, the, the legacy man codes, I beg your pardon. Um, and uh, personally, I said I'd, I'd roll it into a chairperson role. So let's see what happens in the future. Yeah, let's see. We won't have long to, to wait, I'm sure. So uh, we'll, we, we can reconvene and have a discussion once, once we know what's contained within the dear CEO letter. Absolutely. This is certainly one thing we'll be having on our agenda at Minicon. And of course, if I've got it completely wrong, Shane, we can just edit this uh, podcast and remove it from history or redo it and pretend I, I got it right. But let's see what happens. It's not too far away. Uh, just to wrap up then, thank you very much, Shane, for your time. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, giving us your views on the OE role and success or otherwise of it. Um, thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in. If you are interested in Funds Ireland Minicon, check out the website, fundsirelandminicon.com. You're able to register there for attending the event first week in November, free to attend. Tons of interesting participants and tons of interesting content. So we'll catch you then. Thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Aquest Podcast. You've been listening to the Equest podcast, a special edition. Conversations inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon. RSVP at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. For more information about Equest or Daniel Lawler, visit www.equest.ie.